Hello, I'm Rick Ward, founder of Orbit's Edge, and I'm listening to the Cold Star Project. This show is for entertainment purposes only and is not intended to be what is termed professional advice. The Cold Star Project is proudly presented by the Operational Excellence Society. Cold Star Tech is a supporter of the OPEX Society, and Jason Gannigan is a member of its board of advisors. Talk with us at Cold Star Tech to find out more about the OPEX Society and what we can achieve together in your organization, or just visit opexsociety.org. Thanks for joining us for today's show. Today's guest is a young man in the space industry who is going places. He understands the need for engineering, but also the need for sales. He gets business development. And so if you're in the space industry, and this guy, and maybe you should think about hiring him. He has a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering from the Florida Institute of Technology, and then he took your favorite program of mine, the Commercial Space Studies Graduate Certificate Program taught by Andy Aldrin and uh, Mr. Autry at the International Space University. And I wanted him on to talk to uh, me about his experience as a student being in that program and to share with you what it's like. He's also the producer and host of a new podcast called The Final Frontier Podcast, uh, competing directly with me, right? Not um, <laughs> bringing his own perspective, uh, learning about the space industry. His name is Daniel Penaranda. Daniel, welcome. So, Daniel, tell us a bit about your background and why you chose to attend ISU FIT's commercial space program. Well, first of all, Jason, uh, thank you very much for having me today. I'm very honored uh, to be a part of your podcast. I've seen uh, your past guests and, and the caliber of people that you've had on the show, and uh, I think it's a privilege to be on here today. Um, but a little bit about my background. Uh, I graduated in aerospace engineering in 2019. Uh, this December would make it two years. Um, and after that, uh, I realized, especially um, during the judging of our senior design project, um, that I had a knack for business development. Uh, so I really wanted to pivot early on in my career uh, versus waiting uh, further on. Um, and I worked in business development with a company, a startup called Tomahawk Robotics, and uh, really um, learned uh, fairly quickly in that environment because um, everyone's counting on each other. And, uh, you know, startup environment is really uh, fast-paced. Um, so, you know, how to learn on the fly and, you know, develop a great set of skills uh, my, during my tenure there. Um, and afterwards, uh, I got recruited by a company called, called Harbor City Capital and it was more of a, of a hedge fund than anything. And it was my introduction to the capital markets. Um, and part of my role in that company was to be the producer for the deal flow show. Um, which was to invite guests and leaders uh, within the capital markets um, and you know, host their expertise uh, in that show. And I got to meet really incredible people uh, during, uh, during that podcast, um, you know, range from celebrities to you know, people that are managing you know, over $2 billion in assets uh, for their companies. Um, and after that, uh, unfortunately, the, the company didn't survive COVID. Um, and that's when I decided to realign myself with my initial passions, which is both uh, business development and aerospace and the space industry. And um, really when I was graduating, uh, right across the hall from here where I'm sitting, Andy Aldrin gave a presentation of the commercial space studies program. Um, and this was a week before I graduated. And I initially thought that this is a program that I needed to attend one day. Um, and the, the year and a half that I was 
um, away from the space industry. It was a program that I always thought of. Um, so when I got the bad news, I thought, you know, this is a great time to, to re-enroll myself and uh, build up some additional credentials uh, related to the industry. Uh, so I decided to join um, the Commercial Space Studies program and, and what a great idea. It was such a fantastic program. Awesome. Yeah, I love that you realized early on that sales, business development was a, a field that you wanted to go into. I fought it. Uh, personally, I came out with uh, operations management education, factory management and that. And uh, my first boss wanted me to be a sales guy. And uh, I just fought it for like three <laughs> years, right? And I eventually had to grow into realizing he was a good talent scout. So awesome. Um, and so yeah, so you had Andy there actually giving a, uh, a presentation and, and giving you the flavor of the thing. What were your thoughts and emotions going into that graduate certificate program? Uh, you know, it's, it's at a higher level. There's lots of speakers. They do a great job of bringing in people, right, uh, to, to give you the, the truth about what's going on in the industry. Did you have a clear mental picture of what was going to happen or was it kind of fuzzy? Well, yeah, I had a clear mental picture. And um, first of all, I thought, you know, just Andy's perspective in the industry, obviously, is his dad's Buzz Aldrin. And um, when he was about eight years old, I believe, uh, Andy, you know, was witnessing his father you know, stepping on the moon. Um, so I see that as probably one of the most valuable perspectives that anyone can bring into the industry. Growing up, at the start, as close as you could possibly get, and then having a long career within that industry and experiencing, you know, everything that was going on uh, throughout the industry, um, you know, I, that was really what compelled me to to join it. And also the additional teachers. So you had uh, Greg Altry, um, who, you know, in, uh, during class he would say, "Give me a minute." Uh, he had to go take an interview, and he's like, "Yeah, I just spoke to CNN," and he's showing us pictures of him with Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and. You know, really, I mean, he's, he's right in the neck of the middle of everything, you know, related to space. And we also had uh, Angie Buckley, who's a chief engineer, um, who was teaching our space technology and systems class, uh, chief engineer for Aerospace Corporation. Uh, so when you have, you know, really people that are in the top of the game uh, in the space industry, uh, I think it was a great call to, you know, to learn from them. Um, and take mentorship from them and, and build up that, um, that career. So my mental picture was, you know, this, not often do you see these kind of opportunities come up. Um, and I, I really believe that was going to be worth all the time and effort uh, to, to take this program. Yeah. All right. And, and previously you had figured out on your own that uh, follow the money, right? Where does venture capital come from and that kind of thing. Right. And, and learned about that. Uh, what I guess what when you got into the program, it, there's a lot of people who I've seen go through that program, obviously talked with Andy about it on this show a number of times, um, who come in thinking that the technical side of things is what's really important. What was your impression and, and experience? So uh, and I'll draw this back to um, my senior design project and when we were getting judged. Uh, so first of all, I think I was a, I was a great engineer. Um, our project won uh, the showcase for that year for aerospace engineering. And I graduated with you know, pretty good grades. Um, but throughout that entire process and even the presentations that we were giving during class, you know, some of the questions are, if you were to take this product to market, what changes would you make to that product? 
and what problems can you solve in the industry with it? And that was really when the light bulb uh, lit up for me. I was like, um, so obviously the technology matters, but identifying what problem it's going to solve in the industry is probably a little bit more important than just, just building up a really cool robot. Um, and that was really what was uh, articulated um, during the commercial space studies program. Um, they said maybe 10, 15, 20% of, of your presentation to an investor is going to be centered around the technology. If that, the majority of the presentation is going to be uh, how big is the market? Who are your customers? Do you have customer validation? Uh, do people want this product? Who have you talked to? Um, so really, yes, I, I believe uh, business development holds a very important part um, you know, in the entire space uh, industry and, and that uh, lifetime cycle of a company. Mm -hmm. Let's dig into that phrase, business development, a little bit, because a lot of people equate it with sales. I know I did early on in my career, very early on, when I didn't know any better. Um, what does business development mean to you? What does that encapsulate? Um, taking on responsibilities and roles that are going to develop your business to the next step and a little bit further. That does encompass um, sales, thing, encompasses, you know, uh, taking um, deals from open to close. Um, but I also believe that encompasses uh, building relationships, uh, building partnerships uh, with companies that don't equate, you know, directly to revenue, um, but also uh, building a brand recognition around that. So you also encompass a little bit of marketing as well. Um, is that all ties into um, the entire sales cycle. You know, if people don't know who you are, um, that pitch and that entry point is going to be a little bit more difficult uh, than if they you know, have at least heard of you before. Right. Yeah. Helping them move up that level of buyer awareness you know, to, uh, to know you a little bit before they encounter you in person. Right. Yep. really, really important. So tell us about in the, in the commercial space program, what resources and assignments, maybe just one or two that you were provided, what, what did, uh, you know, working and learning look like in the program? Yeah. So there, there was a lot of reading. Um, I would say maybe a, a dozen total books that you had to read in, in about a three month time span. Um, but also, uh, in terms of assignments, we were assigned, um, you know, we had four different classes. One was centered around uh, space law and finance. Uh, other one was uh, global space market. Um, so that's analyzing the markets. Another one was space entrepreneurship and also um, space technology and systems. So for our space technology and systems course, uh, I mean, everything imaginable in terms of technology and space at a very high level view. So we're not jumping into the thermodynamics or the derivations of the equations, you know, to, to jump into you know, deep engineering design, but very high level at, at a managerial point of view, um, every aspect of space technology. So ranging from orbital mechanics to uh, rocketry, um, to satellite uh, and, and satellite subsystems. Um, I think I could literally reference any of the slides that were given to me, you know, buy, purchase an engineering specific book to, you know, become very well equipped to, you know, to make some sort of preliminary design out of that. So the assignment was to solve simulation. A, yeah. Solve a, a problem in the industry that was made by one of our, our professors. Um, and we were split into four different, 
teams. Um, and the idea was to develop it from the ground up. So, you know, what kind of payload would you have on your satellite? Uh, what satellite orbit would you park it at? Uh, and why is that more beneficial? Um, what kind of uh, power subsystem would you have? Uh, would it be um, solar powered, battery powered, or, and so forth? So that was a you know, really capstone to that course. For our global markets uh, class, uh, we analyzed you know, launch vehicle markets, um, the satellite market, uh, Earth observation uh, market, and and a few other ones. And for that course, um, our capstone project was to choose a market and a problem that uh, we wanted to analyze and that draw interest to us. Um, and I did mine on uh, geospatial data analytics, so mm. utilizing um, Earth observation imagery uh, to service um, companies that needed uh, geospatial data analytics. Um, so we had to go and and uh, identify what's the size of that market, who are the potential customers, uh, do SWOT analysis for that um, as well, and uh, Porter's Five Forces uh, analysis on it as well. Um, for a space entrepreneurship class, um, so this was taught by Greg Autry, and it was to teach us really how to identify uh, you know, a good business case that could be taken to market and that could you know, potentially survive uh, the high startup failure rates. Um, so he really focused around, you know, you could have a great idea, you know, a great idea of a, of a product or a technology, but if it's not going to solve a problem, then you know, it's, it's not going to survive. Um, so he really focused around, you know, identify what are the problems that your customer needs. For our course, we literally had to make calls to uh, potential clients and say, hey, is this something of interest? What are your problems? And identify those points. Um, and our end project was to tie together an entire pitch, um, 10 to 15 minutes that we present at the end of the course. Um, and we had to give, you know, uh, literally a, a sales pitch, a, a presentation, an investor pitch uh, at the end of the course in front of him and, and a few other uh, people that were brought in a, as guests to, to judge our, our presentations. Um, and finally, for our space law and finance class, um, we identified uh, national space innovation systems for uh, multiple countries. So, uh, of course, the U.S., um, we looked at ESA, uh, China, Russia, Japan, uh, to name a few. Um, and very similar to how we analyze uh, those countries and, um, you know, how, how big is their GDP um, relative and how big is their uh, space budgets relative to their GDP. Um, you know, what percentage of the GDP do they uh, spend in space and in defense? Um, we had to do a very similar analysis for a country of our choice. And I did mine on Argentina um, and give a presentation. It was about uh, 15, 20 minutes long. Some people went uh, even longer. Um, and that's just to name a few of, of, of those assignments that we had to do. Uh, it was very intensive. Um, you know, very much graduate level education um, and, you know, very fortunate that I was able to partake in, in, a, in, a, uh, in a program like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Daniel, I'm really glad to hear that you had to go out and get facts from the real world uh, and talk to people. It sounds like communication skills were heavily stressed, which are uh, lacking out there in the, the world <laughs> in this day and age. Uh, so anybody who comes through this program, 
I think we'll have some great experience. What what would add up to a good grade in a, in a class like a, or for an assignment? Was it was there a learning curve to this where the first couple of times you stumble a little bit and then you get better and better? Or did they prep you and say, look, you have to have this checklist of things? Uh, so they would prep us, say we needed this checklist of things and kind of direct us on how we should go about it. Because um, some people in the course you had never made a cold call, for instance. Right. And, and Greg was like, this is probably the best way to approach someone uh, to do that. And um, yeah, I've had experience with that in the past. And really, I felt like this class marriage, both of my experiences, my academic as well as professional experience. Um, so I had a, a fairly, it was difficult, it required a lot of time, but um, fairly uh, straightforward process into getting a good grade. Um, Andy's a great grader, very fair. The engineering class was difficult. Um, and that's coming from someone with a, a bachelor's degree uh, in aerospace engineering. Because um, I, I believe even that class covered areas that weren't covered in my degree, if, if that makes you know any sense. Um, but at, at, when we were going to take our final exam, um, we asked, you know, what are the slides that we should um, study for? And they said everything. Yeah. We had to memorize like about a thousand slides worth of materials. That was, uh, you know, pretty intensive. Um, but I think straightforward, if you do your work, if you participate, because participation is also a big part of the grade and it's not just showing up, um, but, uh, you know, contributing to the conversation, um, that's also a big part of your grade. So as long as you do all those, uh, I think you, you pass fairly easily. Great. Great. So I get the impression that you're not the kind of guy to sit in the back of the class and be quiet and that you probably got up out of your chair and met people. What was the networking opportunity like of being in the program? What kind of connections have you made? Yeah, so it's really funny that you mentioned that, Jason, because mm -hmm. um, I, I do always I like to take a, a leadership approach. And uh -huh. <laughs> um, my initial thought uh, of the course was that it was going to be people around my age uh, attending. Um, so I'm, I'm fairly young, other graduate level people. Um, so as soon as we, we got on, a, on the group me, uh, I started sending messages to people. I was like, hey, let's all meet up and you know, try to make the best out of this course and get to know one of each other before we actually get to the course and see how we could collaborate with notes, sharing and all this stuff. Um, so when we jump on this, uh, on the Zoom meeting, uh, I realized I'm probably the the youngest <laughs> out of the out of the whole cohort. Um, Andy actually said, yeah, I'm second youngest. There's someone else that's a little bit younger than me. Um, but just in the cohort, in terms of networking, uh, you had people who are um, the director of robotics and automation and sustainability for Axiom Space. Uh, you had uh, someone who is, um, I think, product support and logistics for Space Force. Uh, you had someone who's spent you know, 20 to 30 years in the capital markets industry, primarily in the mining and uh, uh, mining industry, and he's raised over a billion dollars in capital. Um, you had someone who's in the medical uh, device industry is looking to pivot into a space and industry that's um, put dozens of pro new products into market. Um, you had space age, uh, educators that are so passionate about what they do that, uh, you know, when they speak about it, you know, it brings them to tears. Uh, we, we had such an amazing cohort just with the people and students there alone. Uh, we also had a nuclear physicist and, and materials engineer. 
Um, but the people that they brought to the, to the program, um, it was, it was a whole different level in itself as well. Um, some people that got me was, uh, Ashtot, Michael Fennick, um, Karina Dries, who, uh, was a past, um, uh, past CEO and, and manager of the, the Mojave Spaceport. Um, you had uh, Chris Stott, who's um, CEO uh, and executive chairman of Mansat. Um, Peter Ektar, who's uh, the author of Simplicity for Success, a renowned uh, rocket scientist. Uh, Richard DeBello, who um, was a vice president of business development for uh, Virgin Galactic. Um, you also had Tabor McCollum, who is uh, CEO and founder of Space Perspective, uh, which is another space tourism company. Um, and, you know, they got a you know, pretty in incredible uh, um, you know, business model, uh, in my opinion. Um, and you also had Douglas Lavero, who was um, a associate administrator for human spaceflight and operations for NASA. Um, so that, that's just the name of you, and I'm sure I missed quite a number of them. Um, but in terms of networking, that I mean, it, it'd be difficult for myself just to reach out to someone like that. And you know, having a, the opportunity to to meet those kind of people during this program, I think, was an incredible value add. Um, right. Huh. From that, we got a tour of a few facilities. Um, one was OneWeb satellites, and we got to see the entire manufacturing uh, facility. Um, another one. Uh, we got to visit um, the Patrick Space Force. Uh, got to see a number of rockets and get the honorary photo in front of a in front of a rocket. Um, and we also got to visit uh, Redwire and the Maiden Space uh, Facility, um, and that so that was quite incredible. Yeah, yeah. And um, folks listening will recognize some of those names: Chris Dodd and Doug Lavero, and and that uh, as being guests on this show as well. Um, so, but that's very cool. Never underestimate, folks, the uh, the power of somebody being able to watch you work <laughs> and see how you work, because they're going to remember if they're if they're a manager, if they're a CEO, if they're somebody like me. I'm always looking for talent and the ability to watch somebody and go, how do they behave? Right? What does their research process look like? How how intense are they? You know, do they do they stick with it? What kind of results do they get? Um, how do they work with others? We keep a little mental file about this stuff, right? And and it uh, comes in pretty handy later. For for outcomes, for um, beginning to end of the course, right? Uh, from start to finish, if you were to compare, what were the most surprising things or what did you find you had to change your mind about? So um, really one of the biggest realizations that came during the program was uh, that um, the current capital markets infrastructure that exists today didn't exist you know, 10 years ago for the, for the space industry. Um, you didn't really have uh, angel investors or uh, venture capitalists or private equity involvement um, in the space industry. Um, I actually saw that uh, a recent Bryce Technologies report said that um, the investments in space in 2020 were $7.6 billion dollars. Um, and if you look back at 2010, uh, that was at about $3 billion. The following year after that in 2011 was, um, I think, about $700 million. Um, and in 2010 and 2011, uh, primarily most of that was uh, debt financing. 
for 2020, almost the majority of that was from venture capitalists and venture capitalism. Uh, so you see that there's really a, a big change that's occurring today. And, and uh, there's definitely you know, something really special going on um, in the space industry now. Uh, so that was something, I mean, in, in 2010, I was uh, you know, 14 or 15. So I was, I was drooling at that point. <laughs> Um, so I didn't get to experience that. So that was really a, an incredible realization um, that I had during that program. Uh, another realization was that despite what we learn in school and aerospace and um, what you see in the media today, um, you, know, you think that the space industry is really made up of launch vehicles and, and rockets. We're um, really only a, a small fraction of that. Um, you know, it is you know, the launch vehicles and the rockets. Um, so out of the $400 billion in revenue that makes up the global space economy, um, about $20 billion of that, including government, is launch vehicles. The rest of that is you know, the satellite industry and, and government budgets. Um, so that, that's another you know, shakeup call for, you know, for someone who, who wasn't that um, you know, aware of what, what the markets were like. Um, so I would say that's, that's probably one of the biggest realizations I got of, out of the program. Nice. Well, Daniel, I'm glad you're here in the industry and learning as much as you can and understanding where the money comes from. And um, you, you, the last thing you said is a constant source of irritation for me when I deal with regular people, right, from yeah. outside the industry, thinking that launch is, is all there is, and, uh, tear out whatever hair I have left, <laughs> trying to communicate. No, there's so much more, you yeah. know. Um, so so if, if you're talking to a space or defense uh, individual has not taken the program, maybe hasn't even heard of it. Uh, what's the number one idea? If you had like 10 seconds to just whisper in their ear or shout at them, maybe <laughs> this particular idea, what might that be? So I think the, the number one idea that uh, people in the, in the defense industry uh, really need to think about is, you know, their role in, in innovation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, we are in a, in a paradigm shift where you know, it's leaning towards a lot of, of commercial uh, involvement versus uh, government involvement. Um, but what I've realized, at least, and in my opinion, is that government plays an incredible role in innovation and establishing markets. Um, I, we see it in uh, the commercial orbital transportation program. Um, we see it in the commercial resupply program. Uh, we see it in the commercial crew program. Uh, without those kind of government programs driving, you know, being a customer to uh, commercial companies. Um, I don't think you know, companies like SpaceX, uh, ULA, or, or Boeing might have you know disbanded um, because they uh, you know weren't making revenue. Um, and we see that the success of those kind of programs you know, have driven the uh, proliferation of Leo, Mio, and Geo. Um, and we see a, a similar role that government is playing today with lunar development. Um, so you see it in the CLIPS program. You also see it in the Human Lander System program. Um, you know they're investing uh, money to develop um, you know the this technology and these capabilities to uh, you know, develop uh, on the lunar surface. And we see you know commercial companies you know following suit to then support that kind of infrastructure with uh, Artemis, for instance, as well. Um, so yeah, I, I would really say that um, you, you guys should take pride. Uh, in your roles, um, and you guys are really driving innovation, and and it's a it's a critical part of of the development and the future of, of the industry. 
Nice. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll get that message across in our small way. Um, you have started your own space podcast, uh, and congratulations on doing that. I know, you know, I know you and I both know what commitment level it requires, and and the intensity and the stick to itiveness and that. Um, tell us a bit about it. Tell us what it's called, and uh, I think the first few episodes are out now, right? I'm going to link to it below in the description as well. well I appreciate that, and. Uh... The podcast is called The Final Frontier Podcast. Uh, it aired October 4th, uh, the start of International Space Week and the 64th anniversary of Sputnik. Um, so I thought it was a, a great time to, to drop it, although the Instagram servers were down that day, so <laughs> not, not beneficial on my part. Um, but the show was, is really to, to network and connect with professionals in the industry. Um, is not just for my networking and my connecting. Uh, I love to be a connector in, you know, in any way that I can be. So if I see that there's synergies between two companies, you know, I always make that introduction. Um, you know, I have already made a few introductions. I've been uh, pretty beneficial and to me. That's uh, very fulfilling. Um, but for someone who's who just graduated and is just joining the industry, a lot of advice you get is um, you should network uh, with people. Um, networking is going to, you know, get you somewhere. And um, when I was in the deal flow show, uh, you know, that was articulated many times with the guests that were on the show as well. Um, so, you know, versus you know, rather than, you know, hearing the advice and not doing anything about it, um, I decided to you know, act upon it um, and do it in, in a way that um, I thought would, you know, deliver value, not just to myself, but to the people listening uh, and that they could hear, um, you know, who are the people that I'm connecting with as well. Um, so I decided to, you know, start the Final Frontier podcast you know, for that reason. And, and really, it's been an incredible ride. Uh, a lot of uh, things that I've had to learn um, how to do, you know, developing a website, for instance, you know, learning how to uh, get the videography right, um, realizing not to wear yellow in front of a green screen because then it's going to mess everything up, you know, that, those kind of things and how to uh, edit videos. Um, so really it's been a lot, a lot of legwork on my part, um, just on the interviews alone. Uh, I'm sure you're very well, uh, obviously that takes up time, but there's a lot that goes on in the back end, um, uh, that takes up uh, additional time, including the marketing materials. So, uh, when I love your podcast, cause yeah, I know the idea is to bring that information out to the audience. Um, so yeah, I, you know, uh, really resonate with, um, um, with the, with those objectives. Yeah, yeah, it sounds awesome. And uh, yeah, being a super connector is a lot of fun. Um, there's no real way you could lose <laughs> you know, doing it as well. So uh, I think it's, it's great and keep at it. Uh, by the way, folks, Daniel's website is better than mine. <laughs> it's helpful. I looked at it and I went, oh, man, I got to put some more money into <laughs> our thing here. So Final Frontier Podcast, we'll link to it below. Uh, I've tried to like and share uh, in the past couple of days since it's been out and uh, look forward to seeing more episodes. Daniel, if people want to get in touch with you, how should they go about it? I always answer my call. Um, you know, those bots that are auto warranty insurance, people love me. Um, my phone number is 954-446-5945. Uh, you could call me directly or you could uh, reach me through email at daniel at thefinalfrontierpodcast.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active these days. So um, yeah, that, those are ways that you can reach me. All right. Fantastic. Thanks for doing this, Daniel. Absolutely. Thank you. 
It's always great to get a different perspective, a new perspective uh, from folks entering the space industry and finding out what their experience has been, isn't it? Check out Daniel's podcast, the Final Frontier podcast, and uh, have a chance, leave a review or like or something for the Cold Star Project if you enjoyed these episodes and want to hear more. Thanks for listening.